The word idea comes from a Greek root that is really, really rich and much richer than our English word. And the Greek root has to do with having a good idea is seeing something. Contemplating a shape, an image, a color that inspires deeper thinking. And and why that's so rich is because it means that imagination and logic belong together. Seeing and thinking belong together. Being analytical and very creative belong together. Color, so to speak, should inspire great thoughts. There's a philosopher whom I enjoy who is not a Christian philosopher, but, but much of his work resonates with what we believe. And he says, the better ideas we have, the better thinking we have, the better the colors we see. The deeper ideas we have, the deeper the shapes in our own imagination. It's a nearly perfect introduction to the readings and themes for the baptism of our Lord, the Sunday that always occurs, the first Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany, which is much neglected this year because it was yesterday on a Saturday. The readings today come across, of course, at first as readings, but in reality, these are such rich images full of color and shape and texture. Starting with Genesis 1, which I know is constructed by words, but is essentially a very short description of a painting. In the beginning, the earth was a total void, and darkness covered everything, while the wind of God swept over the face of the waters. It's exactly as you would describe a mesmerizing painting. It's an image, and it's an image of total darkness, total chaos, and this wind of God, this breath of God, this spirit of God somehow brings order out of everything, somehow animates every living thing, every living person, from Adam to atoms from our tiny portion of the globe to galaxies and stars and black holes and who knows what exists out there, that every bit of it somehow comes from God. And that also means that every bit of it finds its meaning and purpose and future in that same breath and wind of God. Mark 1 is another image, and it's short too. You know how when you try to describe a dream, you do it in very short, pithy language? It sounds like that, Mark 1 does. It's really not a story. It's a quick description of a dream, or again, a painting. This human being submerges himself at the hands of a prophet in the Jordan River. And the Spirit descends upon him, that wind of God descends upon him like a dove. And they hear a voice. I don't know whether literally or intuitively, they hear a voice. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Another incredible image. And an incredible image, it's not 
the creed, but it's an incredible image of God having this threefold shape. The wind descending like a dove. God's child who represents all of humanity. And the creator speaking from the depths of creation about belovedness. We have six baptisms this morning, not at the 745 service. And one of the things we will do every Sunday for Eucharist, we pray that the great Thanksgiving at the altar, which Katie will pray today. Every time we have a baptism, we, we pray another Thanksgiving. This one, the Thanksgiving over the water. It's a rich and dense prayer, and it's chock full of images. Not concepts, not mere ideas, but images with which we wrestle. Perhaps the most obvious one is that baptism is a kind of bath, a kind of cleansing. But perhaps even richer is in that prayer, these words, these two images, that in it we share with Christ in his death, and by it, by this water, By it, we are reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that this water is an image of a tomb and a womb. It's an incredible image of life and death with Christ. And all that is united with Christ in Christ's baptism. All that we are in our greatness, and our joy, and our hope, and our loves, and all that we are in our incredible vulnerability that is perhaps best symbolized by all of our deaths. There is a point in which images do need to get summarized in terms of what it means. And when we baptize, these happen to be all six are babies. When we baptize each of these babies, um, they they split up nicely. You've got three priests and three babies per service. So Katie will do one, I will do one, Broderick will do one. And after each child is baptized, we will say to that child what we would say to you as an adult when you were baptized or if we were baptizing an adult. We'll take oil, which is another symbol or image of permanence and healing. And you make the sign of the cross right after immersing the child in the water. And you say, you are, I'm baptizing Oliver and Ian, I think. Oliver and James. I'm baptizing James first and then Oliver. And I will say, James, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. I've been a priest for almost 17 years, and I don't know that there's a holier moment than that. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. It is incredible and really mind-blowing to look someone in the eye and say that. And what Katie and Broderick will say to the babies they baptize, they're essentially saying to all of us, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever in all of that glory and all of that beauty and all of that vulnerability and all of that life and death. 
Christ will never, ever abandon us and continually embraces us in joy. Some of you know I have two children. Both of them were baptized in the Episcopal Church. Our son was baptized on the Feast of All Saints on a weeknight. Our daughter was baptized during seminary at the Easter Vigil. And as a daddy, I don't know that there are words that I cling to for them more than those. That however they grow up and wherever they end up, that they will always know deep in their core that they are beloved of God in Jesus Christ, no matter what. These images are so, so deep and rich. I had an, a professor in seminary who used to say this about baptism. In the Episcopal Church, you only need to be baptized once. We don't rebaptize. And that also means that we recognize any tradition's baptism. If you were baptized in water, in the name of God, the Holy Trinity, you're in. And the same thing is true for Episcopalians who go to other traditions. Don't worry about being rebaptized. But he always said, we always need to move deeper, wade deeper and deeper into the water over the course of our lives. Which means that baptism is an image that we think with. It's a shape and a color and a texture and a feel that we think with throughout the course of our lives, returning to again and again at critical moments. For baptism is not only about unconditional love in Christ. It's also about rebirth. That is the staggering reality that you and I die and rise with Christ many, many times not just once, throughout the course of this life and in the life to come. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord.
The word idea is related to a Greek word that is much richer than the English word idea. The original word in Greek, an idea is something that has shape and color and texture and feel. To have an idea is to see something by which you think with. That's rich and interesting because it means that analysis and imagination, art and being analytical, thinking and seeing are all bound up together. Philosophers should be artists, artists should be philosophers and vice versa. There's a philosopher whom I enjoy quite a lot who's not a Christian, but much of his work really resonates with the deep core of our beliefs who've said before about this word idea and that meaning of the original. The more ideas we have, the more we see something. The deeper the ideas we have, the deeper we see things. It's almost a perfect introduction to the readings and prayers and images for the baptism of our Lord, the baptism of Jesus, which always comes the first Sunday after the Epiphany. The Epiphany this year gets a little bit of a, a, of a neglect because it was Saturday. I don't know if you people pray and pay attention to those things on Saturday. Um, I paid a little bit of attention, but not as much as I normally do because it was a Saturday. And the immediate Sunday, of course, is baptism of our Lord. And what we encounter in these readings and themes come across at first as words, but really they're images or pictures with which to think. From Genesis 1, words, but really short words, they're just like the description of a painting. In the beginning... The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the deep waters, while a wind from God swept over the face of the earth. While a wind from God swept over the face of the earth. There was total darkness. You couldn't see a thing. Everything was chaos until God's wind, God's breath, God's spirit brought everything into order and beauty and existence and meaning. God created and brought life and shape and appearance and color to every single thing that is. From atom to atoms. From our little corner of the globe to the farthest recesses of the universe itself, galaxies, dark holes, in unimaginable time and space out there. God's wind, God's Spirit created every single part of it and every single person from the smallest child to someone in his or her 80s and 90s and above. All of it, all people come from God and therefore find our meaning and purpose and future in relationship to God's Spirit. An incredible painting, an incredible image. Mark 1, Jesus' baptism. Again, it's words, it's a short story, but really what it is is a quick description of an appearance. 
very like how one describes a dream in short and dense phrases. This human being gets in the Jordan River, submerged in the water at the hands of a strange prophet. While this spirit, this wind from God, descends upon him like a dove. And a voice out of nowhere, a voice, I don't know if it's literal, I don't know if it's intuitive, I don't know if it's all of the above, a voice is sensed and felt and heard, this is my beloved, listen to him. In a moment we will baptize three babies and we'll, we'll pray this great prayer which Broderick will, will read and sing called the Thanksgiving over the water. Again, it's a text, but really what it is is pictures. It's dense pictures or images with which to think through. And it's a picture that's created by these words that in it, in this water, we are buried with Christ in His death. Through it, we share with Him in His resurrection. Across it, we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. The most obvious and perhaps superficial meaning of baptism is, is water as cleansing, a bath. The baptismal font here is quite small, so it's not much of a bath. Perhaps the deeper meanings are found in that notion of that in it we die and through it we are reborn. In other words, the images of a womb and a tomb. This is a picture of dying and rising with Christ. This is a picture of being cleansed. This is a picture of being loved from birth to death and onward. The pictures, the images, also have a a meaning. And for each child, the priest will say, after the baptism, taking oil and making the sign of the cross on his or her forehead, oil is an image of permanence, of something that can never change. The priest will say, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Marked as Christ's own forever. I've been a priest for almost 17 years. I don't know that there's a holier moment than to look someone in the eye and say, you are Christ forever and you're loved always, no matter what. Some of you know that Catherine and I have two children, a junior in high school, a sophomore in high school, so I'm a daddy. So I usually bring that to the table, so to speak. Our son was baptized on the Feast of All Saints on a weeknight in Decatur, Alabama. He heard those words. He was a baby, so he probably doesn't remember them, but I do. Our daughter was baptized at the Easter Vigil in New York City a long, long time ago. Well, 17 years ago. I don't know if she remembers those words, but I do. There are no greater words that I cling to, cling more to as a daddy than those, that no matter where she goes, no matter where he ends up, that he or she will always remember that you are beloved by God no matter what. 
had a seminarian professor who used to say about baptism, you only, in the Episcopal Church, you only need to be baptized once. You don't ever need to be re-baptized. Um, and if you come into the Episcopal Church as a transfer or as a convert, you only need to be baptized once. We don't re-baptize. If you were baptized in water in the name of God, the Holy Trinity, you're in. But you do, he would say, throughout the course of life, need to wade deeper and deeper into the waters. Baptism is an image, a picture that we can return to throughout the course of our life at significant times in order to take that picture and think with it and find the meaning, the very personal meaning that we need. For baptism is not only an image or a sacrament of unconditional love, and it is that, but it's also an image for rebirth. That is how it is that you and I die and rise with Christ many, many times in our lifetime. Not just once, but many, many times as we follow Christ throughout the course of this mortal life and into the life to come.